1: Thursday night edition of the downtown basketball podcast. Got to get to days five and six of free agency. Some curious moves, perhaps we had seen some fiscal responsibility that now seems to have dissipated a little bit as some of the lesser free agents have found that there's actually more cap space out there that when teams have been kind of holding on to it. We're sponsored today by Betterment. Go to betterment.com slash cap space and learn how to get up to six months of no fees of lower cost automated investing once the no fees expires. We're also sponsored today by ourselves. Dunked On Merchandise is now available. Go to nateduncannba.com. There's a link for merch in the upper right-hand corner. Click on that. We've got t-shirts still in stock. Mugs, hats will be coming very shortly as well. We've had a nice response to that. I'm hoping that maybe by some miracle, I will see a Dunked On t-shirt at Summer League. They sold out so quickly in the first run that I didn't even have a chance to get a few for myself and my family and Danny, who basically is family at this point. And so I ordered some more and they arrived, but I had already left. So I'm not even going to get a chance to wear my own t-shirts, but we let the listeners get first crack at it. And also don't forget about our Patreon account as well. Patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. Danny, tomorrow morning, maybe even by the time you listen to this, we'll be doing his airport AMA. We've already got like 45 questions from our Patreon subscribers there. That should be fun. We do at least an extra podcast per month on that. And also, I am updating salary sheets and tweeting those out pretty much as soon as every signing happens. That may slow down a little bit in Vegas as my responsibilities grow, but basically within a couple hours or so, I've been tweeting those out for you guys. Uh, We will see, it'll be a nice companion what we're going to talk about here with the the Miami heat coming up so Danny we don't really have any kind of order to this but I want to see what you are most eager to talk about I have my suspicions
2: I think we should talk about the heat first oh not...
1: oh I was hoping it would be hard away no I really I,
2: I, I think away. we want to let people let people anticipate that a little bit and what Miami did was much more was much more important and let's start with even though we've talked about this in the past just a little a little second to appreciate that part of what made a lot of this happen is that the Heat formally waived Chris Bosh, got his salary clear off the books, and announced that they're retiring his jersey. Actually, the second, the first of two announced jersey retirements this week.
1: Yeah, after Zach Randolph as well. And so the language was very interesting. It didn't say that they're retiring it because Bosh still, I think, is going to try and play, although everyone seems to agree that that's not medically uh, a high probability that he can play again. But so they said, no, no one will be wearing the number in the interim. We'll just go in order here. Dion Waiters, four years, $52 million. He had been getting more momentum to return. There had been some interest from the New York Knicks who decided that apparently their biggest need was at the two. And he was able to leverage that into that four-year, $52 million deal. Waiters, only age 25. So that does at least take him through his prime we'll see where he ends up as a player if he is able to produce at the level that he did last year that's a fine deal maybe even a good deal for miami uh i have some skepticism just due to maybe some unsustainable shooting numbers that that will be the case but what did you think of it danny
2: i thought it was fine it's the annual value was about in line with what i expected i think he actually got a higher annual value in the mock-off season but it was because it was a shorter contract i think i did a two plus one and so i paid i think 14 15 million just for the shortened deal. And Miami approached this in an in a surprising way to some point for me. Like, I was looking at their next couple of years and really thinking about it as a three-year timetable, because they have a bunch of guys that have two years left and then a third-year player option, but at least a couple of those guys are probably going to pick it up. Tyler Johnson, you know, that's an extremely lucrative player option. He very well could pick that up. Dragic is the same year and Hassan Whiteside. So, with Waiters, I, my instinct, and he was the first of these contracts, it was kind of the the inclination that this was going to happen, and the four years. I'm like, huh, okay. And I think it's 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 a reasonable contract in terms of annual value. I think considering he he's value is a lot of it is on the defensive end is based on strength, and then his, his shot creation is is fine. I think he'll age reasonably well over this contract. Next one, yeah, that might be bad, but. I'm largely okay with that money and that duration for him.
1: Yeah, I think he's improved defensively. Hopefully the Heat can help keep him in shape, this whole contract year aspect of it. He's still in the right place to try and maintain and improve. He tweeted out a hilarious meme that you retweeted about uh, betting on yourself, which worked well for him. Although betting on himself when he didn't really have any other options last year (laughs) seems a little bit less... less like it was some great decision for him because he got let go so late in the process by oklahoma city but i think i i like this probably the best of the three big contracts that they signed and he'll start at a little over 12 million this year if he gets the maximum possible annual raises and that contract will end in 2020 2021. Next, from a temporal standpoint, Kelly Olenek. James Johnson, they had been talked about, the deal was supposed to happen, and they're moving in that direction. But once Olynyk signed a reported four years, $50 million, he would have to start at $11.6 million this season. What do you think of his fit with the Miami Heat?
2: I think it was Pelton in his piece, he referred to him as kind of like a taller Luke Babbitt, and that could be the way that they're thinking about him. I like Olenek a lot more at center, and maybe that will eventually be part of their future with him depending on how Bam Adebayo works out, depending on what happens with Whiteside. So there are elements of it that I like. I think the offensive fit, just having a guy who's a capable shooter and can actually you know, make some good decisions out there, I think that's something that Miami can benefit from. But to me, his best role is as a kind of a backup, a high-end backup center who can play a little bit of four, not basically a full-time four, which is what it looks like he will be, at least for the near term.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if he just starts at the four.
2: Oh, I fully expect that.
1: Yeah, and I i don't like that that much i think he and white side is not a great combo olenic limited at either big position defensively but i like him better as a five because he at least is decent at getting his body into position to protect the rim. he still is not a good pick and roll defender because he just lacks the length to challenge anything in the mid-range and isn't the quickest guy in the world but if other teams are going with traditional lineups then maybe he makes sense james johnson had more success coming off the bench and i think just in terms of the asset and the contract here this is not not bad for under $15 million a year. I think that would have been totally okay for Olenek. I think he's an adequate starter. Having an option to have a stretch five is something that they have not really had in Miami. And so he can open things up. He'll make a nice pairing with Justice Winslow, for example, if his shooting struggles continue, or as a small ball center on the second unit. If Whiteside just has too difficult of a matchup, then maybe Olenek could even close some games at center with James Johnson at the four. A point was made to me today that Olenek actually has had great games against Miami because Hassan Whiteside couldn't guard him at the five. And so he actually killed Miami. So there might be a little kind of Doc Rivers-ishness to this about like getting the guy who played really well against you uh, bunch as it was for the Hawks when they signed it uh, or when they traded for Tim Hardaway. But I think this is good. And also like, this doesn't have to be their team. If you have guys on tradable contracts, you can move things around a little bit. And this is, it seemed like there are other teams like the bulls uh, who were reported to be involved by Woj today. The Pacers were in the mix. They had cleared out some extra space, a move that we'll get to more of. So this move, I think, is solid for Olenek. Uh The next one, less so.
2: Well, we should set it up, actually, by another move that I think was spectacular for the, the Heat because we're sitting there going, well, how do they have enough money to get James Johnson? Because it had been reported, I think it was by Tim Reynolds, that they were kind of negotiating and they were in process. And we're like, well, they don't have the money anymore as part of why the Olympic signing was so well, yeah, surprising. Yeah,
1: actually, yeah. I mean, I guess we, this is even should have even come before Olenek, but- um... Uh, was it before?
2: Yeah, I, I was thinking they were around the same time. And then, so yeah, yeah. It,
1: it was before because they were always talking about, all right, they're moving towards James Johnson. And then they, oh, the you're right. And then it was a winnick
2: And you're like, oh, wait, what? And then, okay. So yeah, so yeah. they traded uh, Josh McRoberts finally to the Dallas Mavericks for. A second round, or with a second round pick. Sorry, for it sounds like AJ Hammonds, uh, second year center out of Purdue, and I don't know exactly how he's going to fit in with what they're doing, but
1: uh in Sioux Falls would be the answer to that.
2: Yeah, that's true. They can. I mean, they've done a good job developing. Maybe they're gonna they'll they'll try it with him, and that's an amazing salary dump because remember Miami has very few draft assets, and that was why I always thought they were going to have to eat the McRoberts contract. Was because they they have two first round picks that they owe to Phoenix, and they have a bunch of seconds i think they're out like the next four something like that and so dallas isn't seeing this pick for a long time it might end up being a pretty good second depending on how that works out but it's a yeah long i think it's
1: off. like 20 i think it's 2022 90, is the first 97 Was <laughs> that what it is? uh yeah yeah 2022 is the first one they have available. so there's three still left you can only trade uh seven, seven drafts years. into the future so um, the thing about this this move, it is a salary dump, and McRoberts owed about six million this year. This let's pour one out for the Heat's ambitions of signing Josh McRoberts to a, and Danny Granger to entice LeBron James to stay in the summer of 2014. <laughs> and <clears throat> actually, I think McRoberts is the last guy now on the team uh, with udonis Haslam, looking like maybe he'll return for the minimum still, but uh, probably he's done. Uh, the last guy from the lebron james era though it was uh certainly pretty short lived there Um hammond's he is this is a salary dump for dallas as well they pick up the second rounder take on about 4.5 million more in money this year when they really it looks like they're not tr- necessarily trying to get into the market and in fact they'll probably just use their mid-level exception at this point stay over the cap and but hammond's signed a deal for the minimum last year three years fully guaranteed he was picked in the 40s um signed for above the minimum last year 650k and then when the minimum salaries went up maybe which dallas didn't anticipate all of a sudden that became a bad contract because he sucked in the d league last year so it's actually really you're trading six million in guaranteed money for a little under three million so to pick up a second round pick for dallas and dallas also actually creates another 1.5 million in cap room for next year which is seems when they're more likely to get into the market so to and there's really little opportunity cost to taking on that extra 4.5 this year so i love this for dallas I, I think the heat did well here but and hammonds maybe they'll just end up stretching him as well you know that'll could be part of what they do here also
2: yeah that could be part of it because now they're looking at how they're going to have to pay james johnson and so johnson it, it, there have been reports that there was a framework out there. And then when the number dropped, it was just, in, it was incredible because it was just so much more than I anticipated, especially because it was more than the space that we had, like, because you had done the work on the Patreon and other things. And it's like, okay, you know, four years, 44 million, then it's four years, 60 million final year player option. And it's just a, a huge number that solidifies this team in a, a kind of a strange way.
1: Well, the thought was that they could hold on to Wayne Ellington, who had a very nice season last year. He actually... It, shot well on on three pointers and was taking some pretty difficult attempts like coming off screens for threes in pretty impressive fashion and now as everything has been reported and maybe everyone else will take a little bit of of a haircut and it'll all fit in still because we haven't heard anything about Ellington getting traded and his guarantee day is listed as the first day after the 2017 moratorium so either they'd have to trade him which I think he's tradable on on that country I think that's good 6.3 million for his performance last year is totally reasonable I mean consider Jody Meeks got the biannual for three million uh Ellington is certainly a solid deal but maybe everyone will just take a little bit less It even occurred to me that maybe with Johnson and Waiters they forgot that you can't give them eight percent raises because they only have non-bird rights they only be on the team for a year and so that maybe they thought they could start them a little bit lower but I just have this feeling because especially because it's Miami that it's just going to work out and everyone will everyone will be there still uh we'll see they'll figure out a way to do it um but but their their team is basically done at this point then
2: and I've gotten Questions a couple times on, on Twitter and various things about well, how do you feel about this? And I think this was a logical end game. They made a big swing for Gordon Hayward. They missed out. That's fine. And after that, they just basically committed that group. And the big thing that you have to consider here is Tyler Johnson, because Tyler Johnson's contract jumps ten million dollars next year and the cap does not rise very much, if at all. So you're losing that amount of space. No, no, doesn't... It,
1: it it jumps thirteen million. Oh, thirteen million this year Thank you. Thank yeah, you. nineteenth. 19 million next year, 5.9 this year.
2: So that's a big problem for them. And that takes away a lot of their flexibility. So you could say, oh, they should have been patient, but they wouldn't have had as good of a team. And with what the East looks like it's going to be, they'll be competitive. They should make the playoffs if they stay healthy. They'll be fun to watch. They can be engaging for their fan base. And yeah, they probably won't make a conference finals. They possibly could, but they'll be competitive and they weren't going to have any more flexibility for the next three years. And then I think that fourth year is a little bit costly for them, but not devastating in any way.
1: Yeah, the fourth year... for Olenek, Johnson, and, and, Waiters. and I Waiters. think Olenek, Olenek and Waiters are, are young enough that I don't think those will necessarily be bad contracts by that point, unless Waiters regressed a little bit. Johnson, on the other hand, he's 30 already. He's had one good year in his whole career. And I mean, I understand bringing him back. But it's just because they're going to be capped out anyway, so why not? But that's going to be a bad contract when he's thirty three, making sixteen million a year. That's going to be ugly. But I will say this: I mean, if if you told me before free agency when the market has been a little bit more depressed, even than we thought it would be, you know, fifteen million a year for Johnson seemed about right. Uh, maybe a little bit inflated but certainly based on what he how he played last year he's worth that it's just a question of is he going to regress both because he's 30 and because he had never played at that level before linic that's this is actually less per year than I thought he would get waiters I thought he would be right in this area maybe even a little bit more certainly if these guys had all been on the market last year it, it, they would have and that's part of something to remember too just in terms of like whether contracts will be tradable whatever contract you signed to this year you still like in terms of is it a good contract is it tradable you have all those other awful contracts around too so on a relative basis you don't necessarily only have to compare it to contracts that are signed this year in terms of whether it's going to pass your nene test or not and this is basically the path that we laid out for them they deserve credit for being able to bring back all those same guys and get kelly olenek as well who i think is really going to Contribute because remember, Willie Reed is a free agent. They might have been hard pressed to bring him back. And now, I mean, they only have two centers, so they're going to play pretty small. A is one of those centers. So getting a guy who can start as a stretch four, play some backup five for you as well. Now, they better hope that one of those guys doesn't get hurt because then they're just going to not have a, a, a third center. But well, Bam that's is fine. the third center, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah. I still have him down below. So I wasn't looking at Yeah. He'll be the third center. Thanks. Well,
2: the question that I have with them is how they're going to handle backup point guard because they. They have all these combo guards like Josh Richardson, who also is in this crazy position now because they have spent a bunch of money for next year. But Josh Richardson is a going to be a restricted free agent with full bird rights. So how they handle that is going to be wild, and they will have some real challenges there. And so are they going to have one of those guys do back point guard, kind of the committee sort of approach? Maybe they get somebody for the minimum or the room exception, yeah. which they still have. Like th- those yeah, are all you know. I think they'll be
1: fun. Like Waiters, Waiters is can handle the ball and get to the basket. Johnson has some point forward abilities. Winslow is developing as a ball handler. Richardson is developing as a ball handler. Yeah, I think by committee, it it should be good. And they're not out of assets yet. I mean, they don't have their draft pick this year. Their 2021 draft pick, unprotected of the Suns, is looking pretty juicy right now. I will say that. So I think some of these guys are really going to drop off. Dragic, I mean, he's the guy... If he regresses, they're going to be in big trouble. Like That's the guy that they really need that they don't have another kind of option for. But this is a very deep team. They should be able to withstand injuries pretty well. And they still have Winslow... Richardson could be tradable this year Rodney McGruder who had a wonderful season last year so those three guys and you know I think Olenek could be tradable on his deal as well so although the fit is not amazing because I don't like him as a starting four he's a good backup five and he he was by far the best free agent remaining on the market and so it's like hey what else are you going to do with that space you'll be capped out next year anyway why not just get the best possible asset remaining on the market
2: something I want to watch here and it's going to be hard to predict but I, I it's an inclination I have is that if Hassan Whiteside misses time, this team is going to be really, really fun because Whiteside is still a good player, obviously. But the idea of possibly playing, not five out because one of them is Justice Winslow, but playing that sort of a scheme with their attacking defense would be a lot of fun. It's the type of thing that we don't get to see very often. And I don't think it's ever going to be their standard, especially with Whiteside having three more years left. But those minutes that we get with a Winnick at the five and, and closer to their starters out there are going to be a blast.
1: Yeah, and so they're, this team, they brought it back. It's We talked exactly about this on the model offseason they didn't get or i'm sorry in their uh offseason preview if we they didn't get hayward their best option is probably just bring these guys back run it back and you know pat riley i think is 71 years old now this is probably the last team that he will build but they still do have maybe if they want to get a trade some of these guys that they could aggregate salary together um and it's uh, they should be in the mix for you know sixth, fifth seed, something like that in the east, which is looking pretty miserable. So that's fine. For uh, I don't see any other option that they really had for the last couple of years. I mean, they, they created cap space these last two years, they struck out on 2016, they struck out on their big guy in 2017. That's the way free agency works, even in Miami, even when you have pat riley even when you have this wonderful organization they were you know probably fourth place for durant and third place for gordon hayward but they took some swings at it and the the fact that they're able to still build a team that'll be reasonable enough in the east even after completely striking out on their main free agent targets these last few years they lost lebron james they lost Dwayne wade like you know i think they're, they're better and they're definitely better off for not having kept wade as well by the way we said that at this time last year when he left uh they are a much better franchise right right now because they let him go and i think Th- that move is paying off despite the short-term pain that it caused.
2: I think the place I want to go next is the Clippers. The Clippers signed Milos Teodosic to a two-year $12.3 million contract. The way that works is it's a one-year deal and then there's a player option on the second year. And Teodosic's situation is unusual because he is a highly paid rookie. So he will be restricted theoretic- uh, if he declines that player option. And strangely enough, he'll be arenas limited. But he has a really huge qualifying Offer and he could always go to Europe if the offers aren't to his liking. Like he has a different kind of leverage. But I'm just, even though it's later than I wanted to, I'm thrilled to see him actually play in the NBA now.
1: Yeah, Teodosic was undrafted back when he was 22 as an automatically eligible international. It grew into being a a wonderful player. And by the way, the way qualifying offers work if you weren't a first round pick is it's the greater of 125% of. Your previous salary or the normal qualifying offer is the minimum plus $200,000 unless you are, you meet the starter criteria, which is a, a whole different thing. So for a lot of these guys who are younger, taking the qualifying offer, not a great option, right? Like Matthew Delvedova had to do that. He eventually got paid, but you're getting paid, you know, million bucks a year or something like that or close to the minimum. Whereas for Teodosic, if the Clippers want to make him a restricted free agent, they'll be forced to give him a raise if he accepts that qualifying offer of of 25%. So if you start with a high enough starting salary, being restricted as one of these European guys who comes over is not the end of the world. Teodosic, we've talked about him at times on the program before. when We've done some international stuff. We've gotten a couple of questions about him. A passing wizard to be sure about 6'4 not incredibly quick but I mean if you just go on YouTube and watch his passing highlights videos you'll uh, really enjoy yourself uh, to be sure and shot it very well on both catch and shoots and on three pointers off the dribble last year not a good finisher at the rim at all not really he's always looking to pass first or he'll try to pull up for the mid-range jumper as well when guys go over the screen and he's kind of that's not really a good shot for him he's got someone on his back but he's he'll take that a little bit too aggressively and then his defense is absolutely horrendous even at the european level at the non-usa international level uh he will be one of the worst defenders in basketball next year almost certainly in the nba so that's a problem but he's got patrick beverly a former teammate of his in fact with Olympiakos years ago uh <laughs> Woj tweeted out that Beverly, his alias when he checked into hotels, was Milos Teodosic. <laughs> so now he's going to have to come up with uh, with another one. Do you, do you have a suggestion, Danny, of what Pat Beverly's new alias should be?
2: Yeah, they should go with one of their one of their other teammates, Sophocles Chorzennitis, who many people might remember as Baby Shaq, like ten years ago, who I believe he, was drafted he, by the
1: Clippers. That's right. I think they still have his rights. In fact, and uh, before he ballooned to like nine hundred pounds and was only like four hundred pounds. He absolutely killed the U.S. in their last international loss in that's right. 2006. They had no answers for him in the pick and roll. In any event, back to Tay Dosich, I like the signing for the price. I thought he would be more expensive. I thought he would require a longer deal. I was thinking it would be something in the three years, 30 million range for him that that's what he would want. He, in theory, is coming over to be the starter. You know, We'll see whether Beverly comes off the bench or not, how long Doc Rivers can deal with his lack of defense. I kind of like him a little bit better actually coming off the bench due to that lack of defense but he can play together with beverly as well he and lou williams together would be an enjoyable but utterly flammable combo in the backcourt they probably can't play together too much but rivers and teodosic or beverly and teodosic should be okay and this clippers team is starting to look like it'll be Pretty fun and enjoyable. Atea Dosich is really a joy to watch offensively with his passing. So it's uh, good work for the Clippers. For them, they used most of their full mid level exception. They're already hard capped anyway because they got Gallo in the sign and trade. They've got about $2 million left that they can use for a couple to give longer than two year contracts to some of the rookies. They cannot use their BAE because they used it on Lukumbah Mute last year. And so they're basically down to minimums now. Right right now they have about 1.9 million before they get to the tax and they're actually in the repeater tax this year and then about 8 million still below the apron so they should have plenty of space there with which to work they do have to fill out the rest of their roster they're only at 12 roster spots right now maybe they could even find a way to bring back Mbamute but probably not with that two million a year and so it'll just be I, I forget even who those draft picks are Well, he could want, think
2: he'd but, use non-bird maybe if he was willing to take that
1: uh yeah maybe they could that would be that would get him up to like you know 2.5 million or something which is probably not not quite there I still think he could do better than that but we'll see it's maybe the market for him will be a little bit lower before we move on here Want to tell you about our sponsor, Betterment. Betterment presents Financial Fact number 24. Not all financial advisors are required by law to act in your best interest. This means that if you're better off investing in company A, they may advise you to invest in company B because they may get a kickback from that transaction. A financial advisor that commits to providing advice in your best interest is called a fiduciary, and Betterment is a fiduciary. Betterment is the largest independent online financial advisor and promises to act in its customers' best interest. How? Betterment is built on technology to bring you sophisticated investing, and financial advice that is constantly working to optimize your money to help you reach your financial goals, all to lower cost and more traditional financial services. If you like talking to a person, Betterment also offers calls with their team of CFP professionals and licensed financial experts. Regardless of what service you prefer, you pay only a flat fee starting at 0.25%. There are no additional charges for transactions, transfers, or rebalancing. Betterment also offers other special tools as well, like Tax Impact Preview, allowing you to see the estimated effect any moves you make may have on your tax liability. Not all investment services tell you what your tax bill could be, because they may make money from your transactions. Betterment also has Smart Deposit, which allows you to automatically invest any funds above a certain balance in your bank account. This is a great time to get started with Betterment and save for your retirement or other financial goals because Downtown listeners can get up to six months of no management fees. Learn how at betterment.com slash cap space. That's betterment.com slash cap space. All right, you're running this show. Let's uh pick our next destination.
2: Let's go to the big apple. I, I think it's time. <laughs> you know, there was this there was this fun little like 15 minutes where James Johnson was among I don't I wouldn't even necessarily say he was the worst contract. I, I was I don't I hadn't thought about it all the the way but maybe it was still blake but we now know there is no ambiguity at this moment in time what the worst contract of this offseason so far is and that is former nick once a nick always a nick tim hardaway jr returning <laughs> on a four-year 71 million dollar contract and the well if think,
1: he, we don't know if he's going to return yet there's an oh yeah we know we know <laughs> they're not gonna well yeah yeah arnovitz tweeted out that the hawks were thinking like 45 million for hardaway and so this latest acts of nixiness uh makes the decision pretty easy for them uh also third or fourth year player option and 15% trade bonus for hardaway all of the goodies as we say
2: and actually i want to talk a second about the goodies in this case because i understand them when you're trying to make an offer sheet undesirable for a guy who you think is is good and you know you're making it in that circumstance here let's say tim hardaway blows away our expectations He's going to opt out of that contract. Like, that's a way that they could have gotten surplus, that they could have gotten value from this. He's going to opt out. He'll have them over barrel. They will have full bird rights. But he's an unrestricted free agent. So it made it, theoretically, it made it less palatable to match, but they were never going to match in the first place. They just actually hurt themselves by doing that.
1: Yeah, well, uh, the person who told me that Hardaway was going to get way more than Snell was damn right about that. And, And Hardaway had showed some scoring down the stretch. I think his defense is still bad. This idea that, oh, his defense has gotten so much better maybe it's gotten a little better but he was still inadequate i thought in that washington series it really struggled to guard bradley beal and this is just i mean what is this 18 million a year that's like oh it's joe Keep noah money that's what it is and for the knicks no it's, it's just almost another... exactly
2: wall dang money
1: <laughs> yeah i think both both noah and dang got four for 72 but it, so this is four for 71 For the Knicks, the issue here to me isn't even about this year. It's the years in the future, right? It's just like Tim Hardaway is putting you over the top here that you you really want to eat into your space. We talked about how maybe their plan should be let's try and get guys for a couple of years and then Chris Taps Porzingis will be a restricted free agent his cap hold is still be pretty small in 2019 Melo will for sure be off the books by then 2019 there won't be a ton of space around the league maybe Porzingis has just gotten so good that he's undeniable and people want to come play with him in New York maybe Nilakina starts looking pretty good by that point and now they've reduced their available space in that year by 18 million dollars and it just doesn't really make sense to me for a guy who again is not going to move the needle for you as a rebuilding team like does anyone think that the knicks are going to make the playoffs now this year because they got tim hardaway back
2: and what are the chances that he completely outperforms this contract i mean he is a pretty limited guy he's not going to run your offense i don't think he's going to be that 25 points score a game unless your team is awful and then he's just getting a bunch of touches and he's not, he's a better defender, but he's not a great defender. So if he's none of those things and your team is building more for the future, then why commit to it now? Like, well, what's the
1: point? Well, and and not only that, I mean, he is younger, you know, he's 25, but it's just even at that level, right? Like they're not going to be good for two or three years. And he doesn't get you that much closer to that. I don't, I don't think of him as a two-way guy. I think maybe if you're lucky, he could get close to average. On the wing, and I don't see him as being like some great scorer. You know, maybe he'll be like offensively about an average shooting guard, and it, it just it doesn't really make sense to like spend all this money on a guy like that at this point. And another interesting thing, of course, is Hardaway was once a Nick. After his second year, he was traded to Atlanta for the number 19 pick, a, a move that we were not a fan of. He improved, so it, it looked a little bit better as time went on. But of course, the fact that Atlanta is going to lose him now for nothing makes trading away that pick not look that good. This is this is a big part of why we didn't like that move initially for Atlanta was if he did get good, then he was probably going to get expensive. And that's exactly what happened. But then that number 19 pick ended up being Jerry Grant. He was then traded as a, a key part of the package for Derrick Rose, because the Bulls are so good at evaluating point guard prospects. And then Derrick Rose now will not be returning to the next. They have given up his cap hold to sign one Tim Hardaway Jr.
2: It's a vicious circle. But I mean, so I don't think you saw it. Did you, did you see the Daily News back page?
1: Oh, no. Please tell me what it is.
2: Holy sheet. I like it a lot. I'm, I'm a big supporter. But it, it's, I mean, it's just dumbfounding. And there's a reason why bad organizations stay bad in the NBA, and it's because they can't help themselves. And the best, the best thing the Knicks have done in in the recent past, other than drafting Porzingis, was you know when they let Donnie Walsh actually clear the decks. You know when they happened, I mean they ended up botching that. Some of it was bad luck with Amari just falling apart. But even so, and they just they they can never get out of their own way. And the other thing, this was actually originally how I was going to lead this whole episode was the Knicks actually got a huge upset here, and I think it needs to be appreciated they did despite almost all odds to the contrary are going to have the worst contract of the offseason two years in a row I didn't think they had the money to pull it off but they were able to they were able to snatch the
1: victory from the jaws of defeat I'm not sure this is the worst one I think james johnson is is worse just in a vacuum because I think part way he's young enough that he'll still be contributing throughout the life of this contract whereas Johnson, you know 33-34 is just gonna be worse but but that made sense to get him right because they right are I think be the context is, the rest is what of this makes this Worse, like right. if we're talking
2: yeah. player plus salary, you can make the argument. I, I think yeah. I like James Johnson better right now, but you can make the distance argument. But in terms of where each of these teams are, like for the Heat, they were they they had made their bed. The Knicks are far from that, and that's why I think this is the worst contract, which well, is higher the Noah the Noah deal too. That's why that was there for me because it blocked Porzingis from playing his natural position.
1: And, and poor Isola actually praised Steve Mills for being patient and waiting out the market. And uh, now this this happens, and so the talk was like. Steve Mills is going to wait. They still don't know, you know, who their president of basketball operations or their GM is going to be. You know, this is a massive. Again, this is like a massive investiture for a guy who doesn't really move the needle, who doesn't have superstar potential, doesn't have star potential. So yeah, it's, it's really quite inexplicable to me. Also, now, I mean, they're going to be limited to the room exception for a point guard there's no way nil Aquina is going to be ready to start at the point this year they don't uh, the, other than that you got ron baker and and randall on the roster as your point guards maybe they can find a caretaker starter or back up with the room exception. That'll presumably be their target. They also still don't really have a three on the roster other than Carmelo is really a four at this point. So Hardaway will probably be playing a lot of three where it'll be even more inadequate. What happens to Courtney Lee now that he's not really a value contract, so but he can still play a little bit. So now you're basically making Courtney Lee redundant. I don't know if they think they can like trade Lee because they probably can. He's making 12 million a year for the next three years. And, and they're just, I mean, is there a single good contract on this roster right now that's not a rookie deal or, or uh, well, if, you know if, for a second round rookie like uh, uh, Willie Hernan Gomez
2: well I was going to say Ron Baker if he gets the minimum but right. I, I mean it's it's ridiculous and they had this opportunity and just I'd be, I, I remember when I was writing the the offseason preview for the sporting news before last season was this whole thing about you know like the preaching patience and how this how the market's going to turn and, and all these things and how if they can avoid this year if they can do that they'll be in such a great spot and then And I'm like, but it's never going to happen. And they were able to do that again. And I think basketball, NBA basketball, is better when the Knicks are good. I think they're better when everybody's
1: good. But I think Madison. Uh, how would you know? It's been it's been so long. <laughs> I guess they were good in twenty thirteen. That was the way. Yeah,
2: we yeah, they were they were good in twenty thirteen, and they have they have good fans. You know, they, they it, MSG is a, an amazing building, and it's a major market team, and they're just not gonna be good for a while, and that sucks. It's depressing.
1: Yeah, a buddy of mine, Ben Thompson, who writes a really good subscription tech news newsletter, uh, but also is a huge Bucks fan, was making the point in context to the Bucs that just perhaps the biggest differentiator between the good and bad organizations in the NBA is like the ones that are actually able to prioritize long-term success over short-term success. And I think, I don't know if it's the biggest one, but it certainly is quite up there. And I mean, I love to think it's right. Well, you can't rebuild in New York. Like we can't, we can't deal with, with, uh, this market will never take rebuilding. And then, oh, well, you can't rebuild in Atlanta. You can't rebuild in Memphis. You can't rebuild in Sacramento. Like this market will never take it. Like what, what market can take it? It's not the market taking it. It's the ownership being able to take it. And to have the fortitude to do what needs to be done. Yeah. I mean, so should we talk at, about Sacramento at, now?
2: Well, just <laughs> just a quick thing. Look at the Sixers. I mean, yeah. they had some pain for a couple of years, but they actually got their stuff together and they, they went with an approach. And they're going to be in, I mean, they're probably going to be one of the four or five best teams in the East after this coming year just because they were able to take those lumps. And I mean, it, it could still fall apart for them, of course, just like anybody else. But yeah, we can turn to the, one of the teams that they built that fortune off of, the Sacramento Kings.
1: Yeah. One year, $8 million for Vince Carter. That is an absolutely insane contract. Carter, probably limited to about 20 minutes a game. Is he 40 or 41?
2: I believe he's 40 at this moment.
1: Uh no, forty one, my friend. Oh uh, no, he's no, Vince he's Carter.
2: forty he's forty right now. He'll turn forty one early. He'll turn forty one in next season.
1: Oh, okay. I had him listed as forty one in my sheet. I guess that was well uh, basketball reference age. Sorry. Basketball yeah. reference sorry. age is forty one. But he yeah. is forty. Sorry, sorry about that, Vince. Uh but nonetheless, I'm sorry, you're still not worth eight million. And this is this is I think Dave Yeager's influence wanting to get the band back together. And you'll recall part of our reason for not liking the moves to get Hill and even more so Randolph was oh, they have fifteen million left, they could take take... take on some bad contracts. But you knew that once the type of thinking that that showed meant that they were going to then go out and do something like this i mean and vince carter he's gonna probably start for them at the three i mean unless they start justin jackson like they, those are the only two threes they have on the roster right now uh so i think i mean we'll see how much like tabo cephalosha ends up getting or tony allen for that matter like those guys or, or gerald henderson like any any of them would have been better candidates uh, than vince carter so do i you mean, want, you do know, you want he's a stat? decent leader yeah let's hear it Darren
2: fox was born after vince carter was drafted by a year That's and a half. Right. Harry Giles was born a couple months before that draft.
1: Yeah, so that'll be a shame. I mean, I like Vince Carter. He's an, an enjoyable player to watch. I'm glad that he has been able to continue his career this long. He deserves credit for that. I mean, you remember really three years ago, it looked like he was about done uh that first year in Memphis. He really was not able to do much and has brought it back and kept it going. But for the idea, I mean, look at it for this way, this perspective, Kings fans, they could have gotten Miami's 22, 2022 second round pick for just taking on Joshua Roberts. They wouldn't even had to ascent back salary you know they could have just made that same deal and it would have been more palatable to Miami than having to take back AJ Hammonds would have been and they still have seven million in space sitting around like wouldn't you rather do that than to have Vince Carter on the team for a year and then just sign and Vince Carter is just not enough of an upgrade over whoever you're going to get at the minimum I mean this is Dave Yeager wants to like you know get Randolph and get Carter and it seems like he's definitely wielding some more power in terms of personnel right now but and this is another example here of or at the very least since you've got randolph and you've got hill you could and they're not gonna have a ton of space next year because i expect that both garrett temple and costa kufos are going to opt into their contracts for next year uh, given where the market has been this year it'll be even tighter next year we think so they're probably not gonna have much of a chance for space next year but so you might as well at least just like hey we'll throw a two-year 15 million dollar contract at something someone else and who actually could help us a little bit more so like this is the worst of both worlds they're just not getting anything for that eight million dollars and like not even getting that much help this year either
2: yeah they could have thrown an offer sheet and jonathan simmons good player he's i think of him as more of a two than a three but i'd be and maybe you if you still want Vince carter you can get him for eight million after
1: that okay where we go next
2: uh let's let's go to uh the warriors they signed nick young for a one-year deal worth their taxpayer mid-level i don't think you and i have a difference of opinion i just think it's how we're interpreting we're interpreting the same set of facts slightly differently I'll phrase it first as Nick Young is a luxury item for the Warriors, and you can make an argument that that's completely unnecessary, that every team has a margin that is very important, that he doesn't really help them with anything, that he's more fun than good. All of those things are true. The logic I used and I wrote about this a little bit for The Athletic, is Basketball teams are a complicated ecosystem. There were a lot of talented players on the Warriors that, that really wanted to bring him in. And if his offense can come in and the defense a little bit, then adding another perimeter piece that Steve Kerr potentially could trust could actually help reduce the regular season workload for their star players. And if that were possible, that would be a big, that would be a big help for them.
1: Yeah, I tweeted that if I were Kevin Durant, I'd rather just have the $5 million rather than this full taxpayer MLE. Also, an opportunity cost here because they can't give Jordan Bell a three-year contract by giving Young the entire taxpayer And that taxpayer is my MLE. biggest objection to it. Yeah, Bell now will have to sign for the minimum. He's only going to be two years. I mean, he's probably not going to get enough playing time to where anyone's going to be like giving him some big offer sheet, so it probably will be fine. Um, Also, this continues the reduction of Patrick McCaw's potential role, and that actually could be a good thing for the Warriors long-term. They brought back Livingston, Young, they got Caspi as well. Those guys could all end up ahead of Pat McCaw in the rotation, and so then maybe he won't play very much and won't get much of an offer in restricted free agency, as opposed to you know, if he was one of their main backups off the bench, maybe he gets an arenas offer next year, because again, they could only give him a two-year deal at the minimum last year, because they're trying to scrape uh, to get every dollar for KD this uh, I I just don't really for a guy who just I think his defensive renaissance last year was a little bit overrated but obviously he came well recommended from Luke Walton I think there is also this part of Steve Kerr that likes to congratulate himself on bringing in supposed difficult guys like JaVale McGee and like making himself look good as a coach and creating you know kumbaya culture of everyone buying in and like, oh, this guy is so transformed. I mean, I I think it might even be on like a subconscious level, but there's a part of him that really believes in doing stuff like that. I just think if you're going to use the full taxpayer MLE, that there might've been better options out there that were a little bit more of a fit, maybe at at the center position. Uh, But maybe that's, we'll see what Dedman ends up getting. Uh, and also they probably didn't want to go beyond one one year. So maybe we'll see that Nick Young just was the best guy available and they just wanted to get him and everyone wanted him anyway. Um, but it, it does seem like kind of superfluous. I don't really see why they need him because I think McCaw might even be a better player than him this year. Just Young can guard a little bit of bigger players and is a better three-point shooter. So, I mean, they just have an embarrassment of riches. And I think this will give them the ability to... Get the number one seed with all this depth and not have to run their guys at all into the ground either. And I I could even see because they have so, so much good depth right now. That this could help them even like push for close to seventy wins next year.
2: It could also open the door for something that could become a larger deal if the NBA makes it a point of emphasis of separate like staggered rest with their guys. Of just like hey, Clay Thompson's going to sit for a game. You can make that work a lot more, a lot easier with McCaw and with Nick Young there than without him. And so maybe they'll start doing some of that. We don't know that. We won't know that for sure. But they can do that. And the other thing that this does is it makes it almost. Definite that Zaza Pachulia is coming back because other than yes. Pachulia getting his non-bird rights because he got the room mid-level so he can get about 3.7 million, they don't really have anything other than the minimum. And right now they don't have a starting center. So the expectation has to be that he'll be back and they have one minimum contract unless they also are going to shed Kevon Looney, which is maybe a possibility he's going to play in Summer League. I think they can do better with that roster spot than Looney, but he can prove me wrong this week.
1: Yeah, and also there's been talk of JaVale McGee, what's going to happen with him. We talked about how he, he actually, I thought he might be a decent fit in Boston at this point but for mcgee uh, they're not going to offer him more than the minimum it sounds like he doesn't have much in terms of offers outside of the minimum elsewhere but they are at least offering him the, the minimum it seems i mean again he's i if i were them i would just want to see what damian jones can do this year but mcgee was supposed to have a meeting with the kings that obviously a horrendous fit there because the kings have eight billion big big guys but it doesn't seem to be much of a market for him and there's no way the warriors will offer him more than the minimum, even if it's the 120% non-BIRD because then he'll count for a ton against the tax. If they sign him to a one-year minimum deal, then he just counts against the tax for the second year minimum. So that would really increase their tax payment to give him any kind of a raise off of the minimum. Uh, In Houston, Woj reporting that the Rockets, despite Daryl Morey saying, hey, we're kind of chilled out here. We're just looking for guys on minimum contracts. Woj reporting that the Rockets are in fact working to flip that $10 million in non-guaranteed contracts for players or assets. They have a little bit less than that, but that's basically the amount of purchasing power in terms of salary that they might have with some of those non-guaranteed guys. Although some of them are getting guaranteed that Ryan Kelly uh, is getting guaranteed soon, but they still have plenty of low guys like Onuaku or... A few of the other ones, Jared, Jared Udoff, like uh, a few of those.
2: Well, I mean, they should talk to Cleveland because if they use some of those savings, maybe they can pay a little bit more for a head of basketball operations. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, an offer... Uh, or I'm sorry, an article by Mark Spears and Chris Haynes building on what Jeff Goodman of ESPN had already reported was that Gilbert's offer for Billups is only $2 million a year, especially for a president of b- basketball operations title, as opposed to a GM. Remember that David Griffin was merely a GM. They didn't have a president of basketball operations title. Griffin was being paid very low, $2 million a year on the lower end of GMs. That's a low ball offer for your president of basketball operations. And Spears went on to tweet that no, Chauncey Billups was not the source. Now, that doesn't mean that his camp or his agent wasn't the source. It probably was. I can't imagine that it. Anybody in Cleveland would be tweeting that out necessarily what the monetary offer would be. And usually I would guess that like the lower people in the organization, you know, he's not going to be, Gilbert's not going to be telling Kobe Alton, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to offer, this is exactly what the financial package I'm offering, you know, to the people lower in the organization who might be annoyed. I don't see that leaking um, unless it's just people on the business side who were, so I still maintain that's probably from Phillips's camp, but I got no problems with him leaking that. I, I enjoy any stories about Dan Gilbert being cheap. Um, so still no idea where they're going to go in Cleveland, more housekeeping. We talked about auto Porter. They did not actually sign that offer sheet until today with the nets, but it does in fact have all the goodies in it. Three plus one, 15% trade bonus. We'd said that it it was, hadn't been reported before, but I think probably the plan was just to keep that under wraps until they're going to really shock the wizards with all these uh, issues. Uh, The Wizards supposedly are determined to match and they're going to try to just draw out Porter's physical, which is kind of ridiculous that they can do that because, you know, he's their player (laughs) and they should already be familiar of where he's at in terms of physical, but they can really drag out the, the physical for like another two, three days and really tie up the Nets cap space. Uh, Let's get to the Boston-Utah potential sign-and-trade or just the issue of how Boston is going to create the space for Hayward now.
2: Well, they definitely don't have it burning a hole in their pocket. I mean, now they could theoretically sign Gordon Hayward, but they have to actually clear the space to do it. The three most logical paths to doing so would be trading Marcus Smart, trading Avery Bradley, trading Jake Crowder. I find the reporting about a potential send and trade for Crowder not frustrating, but strange with the Jazz, because the Jazz still have to make the best offer. Like, there is zero reason for the Celtics to do that unless Utah makes the best offer. They are not trying to dump a toxic asset here. If, for whatever reason, Utah really wants Jay Crowder, I think he's a wonderful fit with where their team could go, yeah, they can throw things, they can throw things in to make that deal work, but you don't just give him to them. You don't do that at all. So, yeah, maybe you consider it. You talk with everybody. They should be talking with 29 teams about these guys. But I think, I, I'm hoping we see something tomorrow that we get an idea of where they're going with this. But that's something that, to watch, of course
1: well a few things on this number one anybody out of utah saying that like gordon hayward somehow owes it to boston to get them to do a sign and trade like no that's completely ridiculous uh and then also from uh, talking to having some conversations today jay crotter they're not considering including him in a deal with utah or anyone else that and in fact the sign and trade talks are not as extensive as we've been led to believe you know that's 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 just what I heard. Take that with a grain of salt. There's been other reporting to the contrary. But I certainly pointed out why it doesn't make sense to do that for Boston unless Utah throws something in and they're not going to. I mean, I think Utah could maybe use Marcus Smart. I still think that Smart is by far the most logical person to move. And we'll see what ends up happening. Even smart, you know, I think Boston is going to have to take a little bit less for these guys, maybe if only because teams know they have to move them or they're in the last year of their contract or just. In general, because the trade market for anybody is depressed in part by some of the dumb moves that these teams made for superstars, talking about Chicago and Indiana. So that's pushing the trade market down really for everybody else as well. But I do think Smart, you know, to me, a couple of second round picks would be about right for Smart late first maybe avery bradley you know i think a solid first rounder top 10 protected seems like close to right for him especially when you consider the type of deal he's going to require that it it could be a rental uh maybe lottery protected would be more realistic depending on what type of team it is what their record projects to be uh but there are a lot of teams you could use kind of a, a point guard option with some defensive versatility and we'll see what ends up happening there but yeah i mean i would be shocked I mean, the Again, Crowder is their crunch time four. Like he's going to be closing games for them, and he's one of the best contracts in the league. I would be very surprised if they moved on from him and relied on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to fill that role instead.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think we, should, we can end on the more notable thing, so we'll do the smaller one as kind of bookkeeping. Monte Ellis, no longer a member of the Indiana Pacers. He had this strange contract where... He um, he had a player option, but he couldn't exercise it. I think we talked about it a little bit, but what we found out was that it sounds like the Pacers are going to use the stretch provision on him, which is shocking because there doesn't seem to be much urgency with them. And so instead of instead of taking their lumps now, they're going to spread that money over five years, presumably so they can use that money on somebody else. And especially now that Kelly olynyk has gone, I have no idea who it would be.
1: Yeah, they were rumored to be in the market for a Linux. I thought that the reason they were going to be moving ellis or stretching him was to open up more space for an olenic offer and maybe they did it maybe Linux was just like you know fine i four million five million dollars a year more I'm, i'd rather just go to miami anyway I finally get a tan for the first time in my life uh and so they maybe dodged a bullet there because that would have been way too much for Linux. and then also his fit with miles turner is a little bit questionable again i don't like Linux playing that much for and turner Probably can play even more minutes than Isan White's so I can use their big star. So stretching Monte yet yeah, does not make a ton of sense. You can do it over five years because he had that that player option. That player option though he was prohibited from exercising it until after the season was over and so if they waived him before then they much as they did with rodney stuckey this year uh, and cj miles also had that but they he, they didn't want to waive him because he was actually good I and mean, we can also go back and uh all those people who are like oh yeah monte ellis was a great signing like how could you guys be ragging on that points per game uh yeah didn't work out too well if they're waving him right now and then i guess the other thing too is the fact that they couldn't get any money off of a buyout from it all they had to just straight wave him a little bit of a surprise. I hope they at least and, and got maybe, a set off. Yeah, maybe maybe they will, but it, it's uh you would have thought that maybe they could have negotiated it down a little bit but it seemed like no there was this urgency they had to waive them right now and so they couldn't really negotiate with them maybe that was part of it but yeah i mean i'm not sure what they're going to use their money on hopefully absolutely nothing sacramento new york like you guys would be better off just saving your money and just waiting until next year or taking on some bad assets but hey no no indiana it's another market you can't rebuild there can't rebuild in indiana this market won't take it so now they're going to just rebuild whether they want to or not and have a lot less assets and a lot less upside to do so because they're probably going to blow their cap space uh i mean if they just use one one-year deals i'm fine with that but if they go for multi-year deals for guys who are you know in the second half of their careers it's uh it'll be vexing
2: well we can transition to a team that hasn't had to rebuild in 20 years sacramento sorry san antonio spurs signing former sacramento king rudy gay and a pretty fascinating decision for him because he opted out of 14 million from the Kings that would have been there. He tore his Achilles, so you know he's still working his way back from that, and he signed for pretty similar guaranteed money because the second year is a player option with the Spurs. And I think it's a wonderful situation for him. I think this is a nice way to do it for him. Whether it's great for the Spurs or not is kind of an open question for me.
1: Well, I didn't see anybody left on the market with the upside of Rudy Gay. They have a great medical staff there. So to the extent that they can get more out of him with that torn Achilles, I'm uh, he's in the best possible place for that. A little bit different, this idea that he obviously it out of 14 million and then he got 17 with san antonio you know i think he thought he was probably going to get more i thought he would get you know something along the lines of like three for 30 he, even you and i were probably too high on what this market would bear until we did you know we we knew it would be rougher but until we did the mock-off season we didn't see exactly how much so and, and for gay this looks like it's going to be the full mid-level exception 8.4 million in the first year he's got that player option of course in the second year and that means that the Spurs now will be operating as an over-the-cap team. They still could have about $6 million in space if they wanted to, to just sign him to this deal, and then the room exception. But much more easy for them would be to just stay over the cap. They then can just keep Manu Ginobili's cap hold on the books. Remember, they re-signed Patty Mills as well. So that you can do with bird rights. If they want to give Manu more than the minimum, this is a good way to do it. Pau Gasol, they can bring him back with non-bird rights. That should be plenty. If I were them, I would try to just re-sign Gasol to a little bit of a raise for one year the talk would be that he would give them space and re-sign for longer but now that's no longer necessary and I would rather just open up more space in 2018. Like what Dallas
2: did with Dirk give him more money this is what Dallas did with Dirk not this year but last year oh that's the other thing we should talk about um that so they gave Dirk instead of giving him 20 million. Well, and can, then a,
1: can I finish up on the Spurs first? Oh sure Bob. Um, I was going to make a point on that um oh, yeah, go ahead. so
2: basically so what Dallas did last year with Dirk is that instead of they were originally going to give him 20 million and then a 5 million and partial guarantee instead they upped it to 25 and then gave them a team and then did a team option that sort of a thing could work with the Spurs
1: Yeah, they also still have John Simmons out there. And depending on what they bring back, Manu, if he wants to come back, and now they actually can offer him a little bit more financially to convince him to do that. And David Lee, uh, they'll have non-bird rights on him. They can still offer him something. Doesn't look like there's a huge market for him. And then John Simmons, of course, is still out there as well. His cap hold only $200,000 over the minimum right now. But There could be an offer sheet coming for him, perhaps, at some point. But they should be able to match that, or they can use early bird rights to give him a little bit of a raise even with rudy gay even if he opts in next year lamarcus do 22 million he he may opt into that who knows although he's supposedly a little bit unhappy there but if if uh both gay and lamarcus opt in right now they would be about 30 million in room for next year uh if those guys opt out then you're up at really 60 million and that doesn't include, of course, anything that they would give Gasol that went longer than one year or Simmons. So that maybe if they give Simmons enough, they could get down below max space for next off season. But they're still looking relatively flexible for that as well. So it looks like it's just going to be the band back together. They're going to replace Dwayne Dedman with Rudy Gay. If Gay can play at all, maybe they'll play a little bit smaller. And that'll be interesting. I remain skeptical about that, Well, they would play smaller more often with Gay and Leonard together in the front court uh, at Ford next to a center. What do you think about that? You think pop may have seen the light on this at all, or is it still going to be, you know, that they're going to play two traditional bigs at all times?
2: I think I think we'll see maybe a little bit more of it, but I don't think it's going to be like a landscape changer or anything like that. That that doesn't seem like pop to me. And yeah, Rudy Gay, he shot 37% on threes this past year, but that was the first year he, I mean, he was more in the like 34 range for most of most of his career. And 34 is fine. It's just not, it's, you don't no. want to assume that.
1: He, he'll is, get better shots though. He'll oh get better yeah, that's, shots that's definitely theory.
2: true. And, and so this is fine for them. I always get a little bit queasy with player options in this sort of a circumstance because it's only... Only going to happen if something bad occurs. You know, like that. Re- it's a reasonable number. So if, if he, you know, if, if he doesn't get all the way back from the, from the Achilles injury or something like that, then you have it on your books, and you, it's probably harder to move. Granted, the Spurs are yeah. going to have so much space; it's not a big deal. It's it's not a huge yeah. thing. They could
1: stretch him too if they had sure to. if they had
2: to. And so it's not. It's I I see some of the downside possibility, but again, he's a talented player, and he's only making eight million, so it's not. It's it's, it's totally fine.
1: This also gives them just a little bit more scoring and. And playmaking. I mean, it looks like at the point it's just going to be DeJounte Murray and it's going to be patty mills and they still have their bae available if they wanted to bring somebody else in as well another point guard option i think that's really their one weakness at this point uh they're back to having like no athleticism in the front court again without deadman uh who still from what i understand his market is supposed to be a little bit bigger than maybe like the room exception in boston for example we'll see whether that actually turns out to be true or not but it's uh i mean the spurs team could be just as good as last year and they're kind of body their time they didn't screw things up for 2018 too much and they'll they'll be in the mix with houston they'll be in the mix with maybe okc the warriors they'll be below them obviously again this year so i think is is that do it for us i think it probably will Um, uh no we should talk about dirk oh yes thank you uh two years
2: 10 million dollars second year team option flat 5 million and that makes sense you know it's it's fine he wants to he's done the the kind of the the i guess it'd be a teeter-totter maybe go all the way And then all the way down. (laughs) And I mean, some of that is just to facilitate other moves. This one might not be. I mean, it might be to facilitate Josh McRoberts. And the other thing, if he wants to come back next year, is it gives them a lower cap hold to build off of if he wants to have a last year, but they want to spend money in 2018, which we've speculated is a possibility for them. We'll have to see. But, you know, Dirk can do whatever the heck he wants.
1: Yeah, much as they had last year when he had been making eight million, and so his cap hold was only about twelve, they were able to keep that on the books by trading away Jeremy Evans, and then they were able to pay him twenty five million. So the next year, his cap hold will be one hundred ninety percent of that five million that he made this year, so nine point five million. And then, you know, they can add in around him and then they can give him another one last balloon payment if uh, he wants to play again, which he said he wants to play for two more years. Any closing thoughts here before we uh, wrap it up?
2: Well, instead of closing thoughts, I'll give a plug. I've recorded a podcast with... Ben Golliver, Sports Illustrated, we went through, we didn't go through piecemeal. We did more big, big picture stuff on basically everything that's happened since the draft. And so it was a lot of, I mean, when you're thinking about this, we went through like 45 minutes before we even got to Gordon Hayward. I'm like, that's how crazy this has really been. And it's, you know, it, it, it's basically been a barrage until today and maybe yesterday. I think that's kind of kind of when it, but yesterday was Gordon. And so I think it's going to be slower now, but you never know that Boston still has to figure out this big piece and, you know, they're going to be moving a starting caliber player to clear up probably you know unless we see something really surprising and I'm excited to see where it goes just like always and excited for Vegas Summer League.
1: All right, uh, don't forget about our Patreon patreoncom laRue and uh, if you want some of that dunk town merchandise uh, check out the merch link at NateDuncanNBA.com. We'll be back probably on Sunday night uh, and maybe monday depending what the pace of transaction is and then uh, this is actually our last episode of going five days a week will be two days a week now uh until maybe a few weeks before the season but we still have plenty of awesome content for two days a week and uh if you need more then uh patreon is a good way to to get some of that um and we'll have more announcements on that in the future don't forget, too, about Danny's AMA tomorrow uh, for our Patreon subscribers. You can get your questions in for that uh, up until probably about uh, maybe 1130 Mountain is probably when he'll, he'll be done. All right. Uh, talk to you all next time.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and